0: Hey, this is Scott Klazowski. You've landed at the Digital Optimist, a podcast that looks into the future of technology impacts on the world. Yeah, I see a brighter future coming. So jump into a few episodes and see if you agree. All right, it's time for podcast 17 in the machine intelligence series. So we're in this series, just to remind everybody, in case you're jumping into this one and you haven't listened to the last three, a series all about machine intelligence and the ecosystem, and I'm defining some of the major parts in the machine intelligence ecosystem. And then of course, talking about why I think these things will be positive uh, for humanity. In this case, I'm gonna talk about real-time predictive systems, uh, which is a a form of AI, somebody could argue, but I wanted to basically set this one aside as part of the ecosystem of machine intelligence, uh, because I think it's big enough to set aside, but it's also a great example of uh, what AI becomes. Uh, As I mentioned before, when I did the session on AI, I don't love that vocabulary, artificial intelligence. And I also think, as happens with a lot of things in technology, we end up starting to uh, use these terms in in ways that uh, are not helpful. In other words, everything starts to become AI, which means that nothing is really AI. And so in this case, what I want to do is talk about an advanced flavor of AI, real-time predictive systems. So complicated, complex systems uh, that have some intelligence built in that are able to predict some future outcome or some future event, or at least some future analytic, okay? Uh, Real-time predictive system. In other words, it is taking in data constantly and able to uh, change what it believes the outcome might be based on any piece of data that it's taking in in real time. So if that's complicated to you, let's talk about the weather. The weather systems today take in data from thousands of different weather stations that are providing real-time data on what's going on with the weather. It is because these weather stations are, are all over the United States providing huge amounts of real-time data that we can consume that data and to make really accurate predictions about, well, when might a tornado form, where might the tornado go, literally street by street. I'm in Oklahoma. That's an important thing, understanding when tornadoes might form and where they might go street by street. Now, when that was done by hand, without without a highly sophisticated weather predictive system, uh, you had weather people who would sit down with charts and they would try to map things out by hand and try to make a guess that way, and then try to make a guess at where a tornado might go. And, and obviously, the, the predictions were not that accurate. Uh, just the weather in general, by the way. Now, weather's hard to predict anyway, because there's so many different dynamics at work. But the real-time predictive systems we have that now predict the weather are getting more accurate all the time as they get more and more of a base of data, as they see more and more uh, interesting patterns or anomalies Uh, And the weather is a a lot more accurate as far as predictions today than it was when I was young. Now, the important points to understand here are thousands of weather stations that are providing immense amounts of real-time data that there is no possibility that any one weather person could consume. The only way that could be consumed and managed and analyzed is by building algorithms that do what a weather person used to do, which was take in all of these, uh, the data, take in all the dynamics, and then make some type of prediction. So if a weather predictive analytics system is something today that is a bit state-of-the-art, Let's talk a lot more about what happens when we apply the same capability to many other areas of the world. And so again, this is uh, is somebody's going to argue that, well, Scott, when you're talking about real-time predictive systems, you're just talking about a form of AI. Of course I am. But I'm talking about a very critical flavor of AI that is advanced and that will have an interesting impact on human beings. So If we define what we're talking about, with real-time predictive systems today, we're talking about something that predicts a future event or analytic, something that consume huge amounts of information, much more than what a human could consume, and then something that has rules and algorithms that are built in uh, that are able to consume that data and make somewhat of an accurate prediction. And then the last piece would be self-learning not only making predictions, but noticing when those predictions were wrong and then continuing to make adjustments so that the predictions can get more and more accurate in the future. Let's talk about what it, what it takes to be predictive. And, and I really want you to get and understand about why it's difficult for one human or even three people to be able to sit down and make really accurate predictions. To make any kind of prediction, unless it's something that's really simple, but to make any kind of prediction, right, where the stock market's going to go, you know, uh, uh, the health impact of something, uh, what's going on with the environment, which team is going to win, the outcome of uh, of building cities in a certain way, right? We can pick anything like that and say, all right, what does it take to be predictive? Well, uh, as I said What's so difficult for one human being to try to do something like that is there are so many different data points and those data points are changing in concert all of the time. And so in order to be accurate, you have to constantly be trying to figure out, well, what's the latest information and how do I integrate that latest information into my predictive model? Because you've got to be able to build some type of predictive model okay, if this uh, variable is this way, if this fact is this way, uh, if this data comes in that way, add that all up, right? The model then tells you, okay, here's what the outcome is going to be. Because it normally takes so many data points and they're changing so quickly, this is what makes it very difficult for a human being to be accurate. Obviously, too, Um, We have to understand that the faster the data is changing, the faster the dynamics are different than what they were before, the more impact it has on the model and the more you have to account for these changing dynamics. It's what makes it harder and harder these days to maybe predict the economy. I mean, the economy was never easy to predict, but we have more and more dynamics, especially around the world that are impacting, let's say, the United States economy just makes it tougher. Then we have the issue of human bias. As humans, we have biases about the future. So when when we make predictions about the future, we can only rely on what we know, what is in our minds, the experiences that we've had, the research that we've done. And what happens is that often biases humans, not to mention that some humans are just naturally, let's say, optimistic, and some are naturally pessimistic, which again, might color what goes on in the future. Or we could say it this way, a lot of humans have bad data as far as what might happen in the future. And so if they've had bad experiences, then they believe that there's going to be a bad outcome again in the future because they've had bad experiences. Now, all we know is that could be bad data, right? It's just not the right data or that they're looking at data that only pertains to them, not data that pertains to everybody. So, you know, we have these human biases that color our predictions. Think about sports, right? If I gave you a sports team as an example, if if I'm a fan, you know, I, I grew up in Cleveland, I'm a fan of the Browns. You know, it, it, the Browns haven't been the greatest football team over the last couple of decades. Now, hopefully they're going to get better. Uh, you know, we're always excited about this next year and what will happen this next year with the players they've gathered. However, I have a predilection to believe that the Browns are probably going to let me down. The Browns are probably not going to be able to go win the Super Bowl. Now, that isn't how Vegas predicts the future. And that's an important thing to notice. If we talk about you know, how Vegas might try to predict the sports outcome versus how Scott might, right? with Scott, I have a small amount of data and I have some bias. Vegas tries not to have any bias and has a huge amount of data that they're crunching to try to figure out what the Browns might do next year. And they can get it down to pretty reasonable algorithm and a pretty reasonable likelihood right? that the Browns might win compared to other teams. And with Vegas, every year they get more data put into their models. Every year their models get better. Uh, this is why Vegas loves to have humans betting on games. We have bias. They don't have bias. All right, let's look at some other examples. When we talk about real-time predictive uh, systems, Uh, Let's talk about autonomous driving, autonomous flying, autonomous ships, right? Anything that is autonomous, right, that is transporting um, is a good example of something that has some uh, pretty solid real-time predictive systems built into them. And they need to, because the more that anything that moves can predict the weather, can predict uh, the the variables that are around the thing that is moving, uh, that can take into account in real time, the information about how fast the vehicle, the ship, the plane is moving, you know, versus, um, you know, again, the weather risk, you know, the people involved, uh, all the other moving variables, the more accurately the autonomous vehicle, ship, truck, plane, right, is going to be able to make decisions that are going to be good, safe, and healthy decisions. Now, compare an autonomous driving brain with the human brain and how we make predictions about what's going on. And I'll just take something like ice on the road, right, or heavy rain. One time I was driving home from the airport, heavy rainstorm in my truck. I hit some water. The truck spun off the road, flew across the medium. I was like, I wasn't killed. And I, I think about that and say, all right, what were my predictive capabilities about going 70 miles an hour in the middle of a rainstorm and the possibility that I might hydroplane off the uh, highway versus a really intelligent, you know, real-time predictive analytics system that would be running an autonomous truck that would probably say, hey, you know what? The odds are getting fairly high that there could be a problem. Hey, let's gear it down to 50 miles an hour because we'll be able to lower the chances that we'll hydroplane off the uh, highway by 300%, right? I didn't make that math because I wasn't good at being able to predict what the likely outcome was. Same thing driving on snow and ice. I do it by feel. I do it by experience, which at least I've got some years. I do it because of all the times I've spun out on the ice or the snow. The problem with this is with human beings, a lot of times the way we have to learn our lessons to be able to predict well, uh, we might not live through those. Whereas a machine has learned these lessons, either because it's been programmed or it's got a great self-learning routine. So the, the machine will not make the same mistakes that we would make because it's deriving data over huge amount of the past, huge amount of events. And so it's not going to take the chances or the risks that a human being might take. And it's important to understand when I talk about autonomous driving or flying, Every vehicle, every ship, every plane, it doesn't have its own brain inside of it that it's using. Typically, it's going back to uh, the large brain, right? The, the brain that is looking at thousands and thousands of vehicles and pulling in data from thousands of vehicles in real time, uh, and then mixing that with huge amounts of traffic information and weather information. Again, go back to the weather example, thousands and thousands of weather stations Hey, an autonomous vehicle, ship, plane, it's going to be pulling in data from hundreds of thousands of sources to then be able to make a decision on how fast should you go right now in this vehicle? Should you turn left? Should you turn right? Should you apply the brakes? Right? Because it is able to see things we can't see. A, A predictive flying system is going to see every plane that's in the air all over the world. It's going to be able to get results from every plane that is anywhere within 300 miles of the plane that is flying autonomously. It's going to be able to check the weather in real time. Not a human pilot who's only getting weather reports before they take off, maybe a couple of weather ports when they're flying. No, the autonomous system's getting... Weather reports constantly. And so just think about how much safer an autonomous vehicle, device, plane, train, truck, whatever would be with real-time predictive systems built into them. All right, switched case studies. Let's talk about health. Right now, we have to make health decisions on our own. How much do we eat, how we exercise, what medicines we take. Uh, whatever, 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 uh, natural, environmental, health things that we do, right? Health dynamics. Uh, we make decisions as human beings. Now, we know vaguely what's a good decision, a bad decision. We might know vaguely a predictive analytic of what that will do. So, in other words, if I overeat, if I eat many more calories than what I can consume, we kind of understand we're going to put on weight. We can do that predictive analysis, but. Think about what we're going to be able to do with real-time predictive systems when they can grab 30 fields of data off of our body, track everything that we consume and put into our body, track all the exercise that we do. I mean, we have early abilities to do some of these things now, but I'm saying, let's go forward five, 10 years and think about when we have the quantified self and we're able to grab huge amounts of information off of our body. Now, once we can do that, then we can build real-time predictive systems that can tell us hour by hour what our health is going to look like in the future. They may give us hour by hour estimates of how long we might live, of what kind of quality of life we will have. How long might it be until we have some major health event? Now, there might be some people out there saying, I don't want to know that. I just don't want to know. But I, I think for a lot of us, hey, we would love to have a much clearer picture of the future of, of what our health might look like based on today's activities. I've often told the story to people about my grandmother who smoked for 40 years. And for 40 years, if anyone complained and said, hey, it's you know going to cause lung cancer, you need to quit smoking, she would say, hey, I've been smoking for 35 years, it's fine. I've never had health problems. I don't, you know, and so I'm going to go on smoking. I like it. Right up until the day she was diagnosed with lung cancer in her 60s. And when she was diagnosed, she was basically terminal. They just said, yeah, you're stage four and you have a few months to live. So I remember talking to her before she died and she said to me, and now that I uh, have found this truth right that the cigarettes are going to kill me i would give anything if i would not have smoked and if i could have five more years to live now this conversation i had with her had a huge impact on me because i have always taken my health very seriously because what i saw was she actually didn't do the predictive analytics well to see what smoking was going to do now remember when she started smoking when she started smoking nobody was saying that it was a health issue It became a health issue over time, and she chose not to listen. Now, I don't want to end up the same way where in my 60s, something happens to me, and then I go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been eating those Twinkies all my life, right? Because it's too late by that time. So I love the idea of having a health predictive analytic system that says, hey, if you're going to choose to not be healthy, here's what the potential outcome of this thing is and that way i can make really good decisions about what am i doing to my future from a health st- standpoint so that's a good case study let me give you the last one and this one is uh, kind of on the environmental crisis you know the warming up of the earth and so there are people that right now when i just said it said i don't even believe that that's true then there are people that are saying i don't know how you even deny something like that or you're not looking around at the weather uh, but this is an example of a very very difficult prediction Because some people take all the facts and say, yeah, well, we've had warming periods in history before. This is just another one. Other people take all these facts that we have and say, no, we are causing this warming of the earth and it is going to be disastrous. If we were to allow machines to do this kind of predictive analytic, instead of having to believe one scientist or another scientist, if there were thousands and thousands of data points, just like the weather that were able to show us in real time uh, what the the potential outcomes are of the environmental crisis that we have now. And I'll go ahead and say, I, I believe it's, a, it's an environmental crisis. I believe humanity is having something to do with it, and it's going to be dangerous if we don't change some behavior. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you agree with me or not agree with me on this point. What I want you to understand is... If we were to use thousands and thousands of different sensors, everything from what we could put up in the air to satellites, what we could put on the ground that's uh, tracking melting of uh, icebergs, everything that we could put in uh, to track temperature and you know, how the weather dynamics are changing, right? if we gathered all of that data and crunched it into one predictive analytics system about what is going to happen with our weather five years out, 10 years out, 25 years out, 50 years out, if we continue on the path that we're on, and it's not necessarily any one scientist doing it. The scientists, sure, they connected the sensors. The scientists, you know, built the original algorithm. But if we just let the system become self-learning from then, then it would be interesting if we would then trust that predictive system. And again, if it's real time, it's taking in sensor data every moment, every minute from thousands and thousands of different kinds of sensors to tell us, all right, well, where are we, right, with an environmental crisis? The important thing that, that I've started to talk about here, just to make sure I, I pull it out and I'm clear, is when I say that predictive systems can be self-learning. It's like, yeah, we 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 set up the original analytics, we set up the original algorithms to make a prediction, but with deep learning, uh, which, again, if deep learning and machine learning are not something you understand, go to the, number 16. Because in that podcast, I talked quite a bit about machine learning and deep learning. But now add that to AIs and to predictive analytics. And now you have a predictive system that can improve itself by looking at when it made predictions and they were wrong and looking at the conditions under why it was wrong and then changing the algorithm on its own. So now we have algorithms that were maybe started by humans, but now are being advanced by self-learning AIs, right? Again, in, in the model of the three AIs, now we're moving from artificial intelligence to alien intelligence, right? An intelligent predictive system that we don't even understand all the rules because it is self-learning. All right, it's time to, to move to kind of the optimistic view of the future for me. Just in case a lot of the things I've talked about so far are scary and not optimistic, Uh, let's talk about what it means that we can continue to build systems that get smarter and smarter about predicting the future. The first thing that I just want to make sure that you understand is we only have a few, like the weather system today, and we're building some more models, but we haven't even begun to scratch surface, as they say, of all the different types of predictive analytics that we are going to be able to build. And we're going to want these predictions in our lives, but you might ask, well, do we? Do we want machines predicting all kinds of things like our health? Do we want machines telling us what the potential outcomes are when they might be wrong? They might be wrong, but they're better than no prediction at all. So do we even want this? Do we want to become dependent on machines to be our guides, right, through life? Because today, you know, mostly we make our own decisions by putting data into our own brains right? And then crunching it, we listen to other people, right? And then we come up with what we think the future state's going to be. Are we okay becoming more and more dependent with instead of just crunching it, making my own decisions or reading other human experts, I actually can start depending on predictive analytics systems to tell me what I should do. I don't know. Think about investing. Right? right now, if, I, if I'm going to invest uh, my retirement money, I go to a wealth advisor, and this human being says, well, I think you should create a portfolio that looks like this, and put your money in this, and put your money in that. Now, maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but there's a couple things that could concern you. One could be, well, why are they telling me to put my money in this or that? Are they being paid a commission? right? Are they really the smartest people in the entire world with how to invest money? Because it's my money. I surely want it to go into the right place at the right time. So would I trust a predictive analytics engine to tell me where to put my money better than I would trust a human being? Hey, we're not too far away from that. And nor are we too far away from a predictive system that tells me what might be wrong with me physically, instead of me depending on just the brain of one doctor, right? So will we be okay with this? Well, I think for 30, 40 years, it'll be difficult for some people to give up major decisions to machines to make. But I think in the future, it will not be so uncommon that, that in a lot of ways, we will trust machines to help us make a decision more than humans who, who might have had a bias or who had a limited amount of facts that they could bring to their disposal right, to be able to make a prediction or make a decision going forward into the future. I, I think we, uh, we, we've got to understand that maybe today, although it feels a little weird to think that a machine could, I, I really do believe that machines will be able to make better and better predictions than human beings will be able to make. And so we should and be and will become more comfortable at letting a machine tell us hey put your money here hey this is what you should eat today or how much you should exercise right or hey this is what you should do with your career right or hey this is uh, what you should do to raise a child in a better way right i know some of these start starting to sound crazy to you but all of these are highly complex predictions right that a machine probably is going to be able to make better than any particular human when it comes to predicting Right, where an organization might go, how a business might grow or not grow, economic trends. And by the way, the business is going to grow or not grow partially because of predicting economic trends. What about when maintenance needs to be done, right? The predictions of when do I need to have maintenance done on this car, this dishwasher, right? My computer, whatever, so that I don't wait until it breaks and then start to get maintenance done, Right. That's a tough prediction, but I want to get it right. I don't want things to break, nor do I want to get maintenance done too early and waste money. All right, what about the impacts of new inventions, right? New science, new things that come out. What about the future impacts of those, right? Today, sometimes those predictions are pretty important, and and they can be really difficult to make. Again, I'm at some level excited about the fact that we're going to be able to build predictive engines. They're going to be able to predict things that today... We likely cannot even predict because it's too difficult for us to put in all the different equations, all the different facts, all the different analytics, and then let it change in real time. We just don't have the ability with the human mind to absorb so many facts and make these predictions. So I look forward to a world, very optimistic about a world, where we can integrate our lives, pair our lives with these predictive engines that help us to make better decisions. And these better decisions turn into better health, better wealth, right? Better convenience, you know, all of those kinds of things. If you play that out, there might be some people that say, hey, but Scott, aren't we going to take the mystery out of life? Because part of what's nice when you can't predict things is that there is some mystery as to when things are going to happen. Wouldn't it be nicer if we just lived in a life where we had a lot of mystery? That's an interesting thing. Let's, Let's talk about marriage. If we build an algorithm, a predictive algorithm, that's able to take in thousands and thousands of facts about two people, and then be able to make some predictions about not only will they get divorced or stay married forever, but also what kinds of problems and conflicts they might have in the future, I am absolutely sure that we are going to build a predictive system that's going to predict marriage. So we're going to be able to put in thousands of pieces of data about two people And then the the predictive engine might be able to predict what will happen with having kids, what the kids might uh, be like physically, will they have problems, Uh, but then also relational issues. What type of relational issues might these uh, two people in this uh, relationship have? Is it going to be perfect? No. This type of predictive engine wouldn't be perfect, but would it be insightful in a lot of cases? Yeah, absolutely it could, because there are thousands and thousands, millions of marriages that if we gather the data on millions of marriages and we crunch that into a predictive engine, then, then yes, it isn't going to be accurate 100% of the time because people change and people change in unpredictable ways. However, there are also lots of things that are consistent about relationships and about two different people. If you are opposites, then you might run into these problems. If you are a lot alike, you might run into these problems. This whole thing about taking mystery out, I I think in some cases, we want the mystery taken out. And and maybe I could say what we want is the mystery taken out of mechanical things. We want the mystery taken out of large questions like economic shifts or weather or, or environmental impacts. Like we want the mystery taken out of that. I don't know that we want the mystery taken out of our relationship with another human being completely. And I don't think it could. But I do think there's some arguments that... Uh, a little less mystery in where our marriage might go and what problems we might run into would give us an ability up front to make sure we avoid some of those problems. I do think, though, that we need to be careful when I give this kind of example about, you know, predictive systems are not going to be able to predict human behavior uh, in the nth degree. I mean, humans are so complicated, so complex in how we think, how we evolve, uh, you know, our emotions— how we feel, you know, how we choose to interact, what, you know, where we're going, um, you know, how we make decisions. That evolves so quickly in, in many of our lives that trying to make predictions about what might one person do in their life, be successful or not be successful, or how might a couple right, uh, interact. Again, I don't think it's a perfect science. And I think we need to be careful of pre-programming people. In other words, speaking things into being. We don't want to tell people that based on all this data, you're not going to be successful in life because now we may speak that into being. So there's a real fine line when we're using a very advanced predictive system on making a prediction that's going to actually be detrimental and hold people back. Again, you go back to my marriage example, you know, if they would have taken all the facts on my wife and I and said, hey, you know, you only have a 5% chance of staying married, you're likely to get divorced. Well, that might have stopped us from getting married. Or it might have told us we better start getting some counseling right off the bat. So we're going to have to really walk a fine line and be careful when we're using predictive analytics to predict human behavior versus predicting the economy, predicting the environment, predicting the weather, things like that. All right, I got one more important thought for you. And that is, as we build these more and more sophisticated predictive platforms, and as we build better and better self-learning algorithms... I think we're going to discover things that we could predict that we, didn't, we don't even know today that we could predict them, things that we couldn't even fathom that we could predict. So I think about these predictive systems as engines, right? That we start them off, and then when we turn them self-learning over time, over lots of data, they get more and more and more accurate. And I think there are things today that we think cannot be predicted, just could not be predicted, that we might find machines that are self-learning might find an ability or build an ability to be able to predict things we never thought were predictable before. And so that's an interesting thought because then that sends me down this rabbit hole of, okay, well, what is it we don't even try to predict today that a machine might actually have a decent shot at being somewhat accurate at predicting? But again, when you make a machine self-learning and it can consume millions and millions, billions of pieces of data, and be able to factor those into a predictive engine, that's just not something humans or humanity has really been able to see. And it is something that may have a really interesting outcome for us in being able to predict things that today we think are completely unpredictable. So let's close that up. We forward to doing those, number 18 and 19. And so uh, I hope this one today puts an interesting picture in your head about, again, a very advanced form of AI or flavor, depending on how you want to call it, that is a real-time predictive analytics system. And just for fun, for the next hour or two while you're just kicking it around, you think about what it is that you would love to have predicted that today you do not have any kind of prediction for. Just think about that and then let your mind wander on what would life be like if a machine actually could help you predict it. All right. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. We will be back with another one soon. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at S. or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at ScottKlasoski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and raise this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.